Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. So we're here with Jason Phillips. And what's the name of your company? Is it just like Jason Phillips Badass or what is it? Uh, it would never be called that. Um, <laughs> I own IN3 Nutrition and IN3 the Nutrition, Nutritional yeah. Coaching Institute. I love and I, we wanted to get you on because you have your hands and obviously like your business is nutrition and fitness. Mm-hmm. But for fun, you love talking about business. I love I, I love talking about business. Like I had dinner. I did like a going away dinner two nights ago. And because you're going away from where? Yeah, I'm moving away from my current home and I opened up a headquarters in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're going to so. be there in March for oh, a week. Oh, nice. sweet. Well, then you guys got to We're doing by. the Best Life podcast next tour. Is in, uh, where is it? In Phoenix. Yeah, yeah in Phoenix. Where, so, wh- where like are you living now? 15 minutes from Phoenix. I was living in D.C. I currently am homeless because my house we, got packed and put on a truck this morning. We know how that's like. We know yeah. we know the homeless life. Yeah. It's where we've so, been. Yeah. <laughs> call it the homeless life podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Best well, life. March 17th we're going to be in Phoenix doing yep. the best 17th, life. Yep. 17th I'll be there. Awesome. Brunch. There we go. Brunch week. in Phoenix. Yep. Brunch with my besties. I'm Jason's our first guy. So, Jason loves to talk business and you do like a little bit of business coaching. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do some business coaching. Um I don't advertise it very much. No, you don't. Like I I keep it kind of on the down low and People that end up coming through our, you know, our systems, they realize, oh, you're actually pretty good at this thing. And, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have, like, there's no sales pages or anything out there for my business coaching. It's super word of mouth. And if I like you, then we bring you in the group. And if I don't, then that's cool too. Like there's lots of masterminds out there. Sure. So, so like, but you got your start in fitness. So like, yeah. So obviously you're running like, you know, seven figure business now, all this, all this great stuff, having a ton of success, which I'm excited you're going to be speaking at the mastermind tomorrow. I am super um, excited. And so tell us a little bit about, but you were doing like a lot of like, you were doing fitness competitions, you were doing like fitness modeling, like kind of just give us our little, a little bit of an origin story. Yeah. So prior to that, I was actually eating disordered. That was like my, my mm-hmm. whole start. And so I was 118 pounds at like five, nine. Five, Around 10. what age were you? I was 18. Okay. So I were was actually, I was an athlete and okay. I'll use that really loosely. I was uh-huh. a golfer. Um, <laughs> but I was a really good golfer. Like I was nationally ranked like top 50 in the world and so I got injured right after high school and I was going to, like I had a full ride scholarship and like that was my identity. Yep. And so I found myself in like the rehab setting and I'd never been in a gym in my life. Like I looked at weights and I'm like, that shit's too heavy. And I was like the kid that like I went to Taco Bell and I'm like, no lettuce on the tacos. Like I fucking hated <laughs> all things healthy. I hated. Yeah. And, uh, so that happened and coming out of anorexia, I like, I found health and fitness and it like legit saved me. And I was like, all right, like, it's my mission at this moment to pay it forward to everyone else in the world. And so transferred, uh, schools, like went to Florida state and declared my major as exercise science, concentration, Mm -hmm. fitness, nutrition, and like just started doing every single thing I could to, to help people out. And so long story short, like I left school, I literally, I tried to help everybody. Like when I was at school, I was helping like the frat boys and like the girls that live next door. And like, I just like, I love that you can manipulate the human body with food and exercise. Like it was so fascinating to me. So I ended up out in LA and was doing some fitness modeling stuff. I was sponsored with Optimum Nutrition and did some stuff with bodybuilding.com. And, you know, that actually made it worse. So I thought I had like beat the eating disorder. And then I was back out in LA and this like vanity driven culture and everyone's in shape like all the time. And so that was kind of like a regression in my life and kind of got out of the LA scene. And, you know, I really bounced around everywhere, dude. Like I was so lost. Like I... Fuck, like if I told you all the places I lived, it was like Orlando, LA, yeah. DC, Charlotte, South Carolina, back to Florida, back to LA, like fucking went everywhere. And, and you're like, how are you making money at this point? Your personal training? I was personal training or just like dicking around. Like one time I ran like a personal training department in Virginia and in Florida. Um, I opened up like a women's only boot camp and um, I think they just like wanted to see me take my shirt off at the time because I was actually in shape and a fitness model. And I, in LA, I was training. And, and the whole time though, I was doing this online thing, like on the side. Yeah. And so the first time I lived in LA, I, that's when body space was really popular. Yep. And so oh I was, God, I, I was top that. six, right? Yep. And so it was the first year that they ever did the spokesmodel competition in conjunction with the Ironman. Mm-hmm. And I 
Was that 2009 then? It must have because I, I was know. I was in the second year 2010 yeah, body right? <laughs> yeah. So how fucked is this though? I I won the competition, uh-huh. but then Michael Nevue. So I was not I, I'm not big now, but I was yeah. not big then. Mm-hmm. And Sean Harley was bigger than me. Yeah. And Michael Nevue's like I want to shoot him. Yeah. And so like oh, inside the voting, they shut it off. Like they wouldn't let people. Like my friends and family are going and they're like I'm voting. Yeah. It's not counting. And like his votes are like shooting up. And so like last second he quote unquote won. Yeah. And like bodybuilding.com apologized to me so much that yeah. night and the next day. And, and Michael Nivio, for the people who don't know, is a photographer who shoots Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Sean winner, got, the winner actually, got a cover. Yeah. Sean Harley's actually married to Mindy. Mindy. Uh, who was in my year of the body space. Yes. Folks model search. Yep. I think that's maybe where they met. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But she, she was married and then yeah. her husband passed away. So yeah, she got remarried. Okay, I want to back up just a little bit. I know you have so much to talk about the business, but I find it really fascinating that people who have eating disorders tend to be drawn to the science and like mm-hmm. healing their body through fitness. So kind of going even back farther, what pre- precipitated this eating disorder and anorexia for you? Because it's not as common in men. Was it the injury that made you freak out or what? What do you think so that was about? I understand it today far mm-hmm. better than I did back then. Of course. If you would have asked me at 18... Number one, if I was eating disorder, I would have told you no. Mm-hmm. But if you would have asked me like shortly after I got over it, like why it happened, mm-hmm. I would have just been like, oh, it's because I, I wanted to look better. Yeah. Right. Today, I understand that it was more insecurity driven. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, I had a lot of issues and feeling like I was not adequate. Yeah. Um, I wasn't good enough at sports or I wasn't good looking enough to get a girl or I wasn't like the alpha male that guys looked up to. And so the eating became a control mechanism. And I looked at it like, well, I can control this and therefore I can control the way my body looks. And in my head, I correlated that with, okay, I can control what other people think of me, which is complete bullshit, but that's the mindset of an anorexic. And if you ever meet somebody that's eating disordered, especially an anorexic, they almost hold it as a trophy, right? So like you'll go into these public like social settings and you'll be like, well, I'm not going to eat that fucking fried mac and cheese mm-hmm. at the Cheesecake Factory. And I'm not going to eat that dessert because I'm so much right. better than yeah. you. And I'm going to eat my tilapia mm-hmm. and asparagus in my Tupperware. Well, it's even Jill and I, yeah, the fitness competitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People would say, oh my gosh, you're so crazy. I could never do that. And it was almost that comment of like, I can never do that. makes you feel, you feel like, better. oh yeah, like yeah. I, I can do this. I have more uh, discipline than more you. More discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't see like the binging in the closet, yeah. like months later but yeah yeah nope. and I I mean same thing for me I have a really similar story I had an eating disorder growing up and then I think I I thought I cured myself through fitness mm-hmm. and then after I struggled with my body kind of rebelling after competing it like resurfaced and I was like oh my gosh I thought I like figured this out I thought I had a control on it and I had to relearn everything but it's I think it's fascinating because a lot of people I see a lot of trainers become trainers out of eating disorders or become interested in exercise science. And when you said you get excited about how you can manipulate the body, I think there is that piece of going, wow, I can actually do this. Mm -hmm. And so, so how do you prevent like your, so now you do a lot of uh, nutrition coaching. I know you have a bunch of coaches that work for Mm -hmm. you. So like, how do you prevent, this is one of the reasons why I switched Jill fit from like mainly fat loss to more like food obsession, you know, those kind of things was because I saw that I was contributing to the neuroses of my Mm -hmm. clients and I was attracting people who like literally couldn't eat without texting me a question about like how much sodium is in the salsa and like, and these things where I had to to back up. You literally wanted to like shoot yourself. Right. And it's like, and I I found myself being so annoyed at them when I was like, I created this. Like I allowed for this and I'm doing them a disservice by being this available and I'm acting as a crutch Mm -hmm. instead of actually empowering them. So like, do you have conversations with your clients around like, I'm going to help you eventually not need me or like, how does that look? So I kind of have, there's two things that come into play. So number one is I have this belief that, cause we were all quote unquote macro coaches. Right. right. And so people come to us and they're like, Oh, you do macros. And I'm like, no, not really. Like macros are absolutely undeniably undisputedly the pinnacle of achieving peak cosmetics, like yeah. period. Yeah. We can't dispute that. Like science is really clear. Put yourself in a calorie deficit control macronutrients, you will look the way you want to look. Now, that is also saying looking the way you want to look is not saying you're going to want to perform the way you want to perform or feel the way you want to feel, but it will absolutely give you the desired cosmetics. Unfortunately, to get to the peak of something, there's a lot of steps you have to take to get to that peak. 
and to leave the peak because nobody climbs Everest and sits their happy ass there forever, <laughs> right? At some point, you have to fucking walk down. So nobody stays at the pinnacle of anything their whole life. So I tell people, listen, I will take you to the very top. I will help you summit. I'll help you achieve whatever it is, the pinnacle you want to achieve. I'll help you understand the downfalls inside of that journey. Mm. And then I'll help you exit so that you do have the balance. And so that's a conversation we have on yeah. day one, like Good. day number one. Yeah. Number two is, like I said, inside of the looking at peak cosmetics and aesthetics, which everybody views the health and fitness industry purely on aesthetics and it's the media's fault it's our own fault like those of us that live there mm -hmm. we go to the magazine store like i looked in um you know the airport today and like muscle and fitness the dude's like ripped like that's what's being promoted is aesthetics 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 and it's like there's other modalities where fitness is important and so in3 actually stands for like in three distinct areas that we do nutrition coaching in performance, in aesthetics, and in longevity. And so I help longevity. people understand, listen, if you want to achieve peak cosmetics, you know, absolutely going to, we call it the triangle of awareness, right? Absolutely going to one corner of a triangle is an active departure from the other two corners. Right. And so as you start to get to the center, you realize you're also sacrificing a little bit of one set of the goals. So like, if you tell me I want to be the best athlete in the world and I want to win the CrossFit games, okay, cool. You're also telling me you don't give a shit how you look. And you're also telling me you don't care if you die early. Right. Like, that's fair. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't judge you. Like props to you for having that understanding. But let's just get crystal clear on what right. the goals are. And so I think that when you actually take a client there, they're like, oh my God, this is a real journey. Sure. There's, and unfortunately, most quote unquote professionals, I'll use the term really loosely, they're so quick to want to take your money and they don't give a fuck about the explanation yeah. and they don't really care what you think about the explanation. I like um, your analogy of the Mount Everest. It's like a lot of coaches will take people to the top and then basically just push them over the out. edge at the end. Yeah. You're like, bye. Yeah, yeah. Just kick you off. You summited. There's, a, there's actually a strategic way down, but don't yeah. worry about that. You might die. Yeah. And I also think it's really important to remember longevity is a piece that a lot of people don't talk about, but it is not possible in my experience to maintain as a female 10% body fat no, forever without not. sacrificing something. You're, you're going to lose you're, your hair. You're, you're going to sacrifice something. Eventually it's going to catch up. And I think your body actually will just rebel like mine did. It's like, yeah, you can, you can maintain that for a little bit, but you're going to give up a lot. And it's just like the longevity isn't really possible. So well, we, it's funny. That. We move into like our coaching company now, we, we've always coached on what's called, we call it the three-dimensional model. Mm -hmm. um, we call it frame, family, and finance. And frame being like your physicality, like who, who are you physically? What do you look like? Yep. Um, and also your physiology, like how do you feel? But we also say there's other important components. So your family, like your interpersonal relationships, your significant other, your friendships, whatever it might be. And then your finance, like are you making money? Yeah. And like all of us have done really intense fitness pursuits when you're at the peak, like the tail end of a diet or like the peak end of a show, like you feel like shit. Yeah. Your business output sucks shit. Your relationships suck shit. <laughs> and so when you start helping people understand you need to live three-dimensionally, a myopic focus inside of purely your body, you lose, period. You're not going to have friends. And let's be honest, most people want to look better because they're seeking significance. Mm. So now like you sought out inside of this physical pursuit to seek significance, yet you're actively pushing yourself away from significance because yeah. you're positioning yourself as the like selfish dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Like how fucked up is that? And like people right now are like, fuck, mine's blown, right? Yeah. But it's so, it's so convoluted and I've done it for 15 years where I just see it and it's like vicious cycles. And to be honest, it's scary and, and I'm not a fan of it, which is why I have worked the number of hours and like do all the traveling. Like I'm so against it. I just want to change it. And it's a, it's a passion project for me more than anything. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's interesting. You said that like frame finances and family. And when I talk about like the finances piece, I know when I started my business, I actually like needed to get my fitness and nutrition under control because I was mm -hmm. spending three, you know, I was at the gym three times a day. I was eating seven times a day. Like it's not just the time you're there. It's the mental energy and time around all of those things, 100%. you know, buying food, making food, eating food, washing dishes after like, so it's, and I had to minimize that because I was like, otherwise I'm not gonna be able to build my business. Absolutely. And so what a lot of my clients do who are, you know, health and fitness entrepreneurs is they like, they kind of gain weight a little bit mm -hmm. when they start doing their business because they're not having like that intense focus that they used to have. Yeah. Or the people People that don't find the business success that they desire have a really hard time looking themselves in the mirror and telling them that 
they are the problem. Sure. It has nothing to do with anything else, but they're afraid to look in the mirror and be like, well, my obsession with keeping my six pack totally. is actually what's holding me back from making totally. money. Yep. Um, it might be what's holding you back from finding love in your life. Like it, it's holding you back from a lot of shit. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, and I'm thinking back in the day when I was more in that world and obsession and saw it more is you would think, Oh, if I just got lean enough, I just got one, a trophy, then I'll make more money. Then I'll get sponsors. Then yeah. I'll, I'll get and noticed. so you, exactly. yeah, you yeah. kind of think that that's going to bring the other things. And it's actually the thing that's pushing away. Like you have it's, to focus on and the business. Nobody wants to look at that. Right. Yeah. And because you live in denial and I literally on my way over here in the Uber, I was talking to a, a guy whose wife works with me and she was telling me like, you know, where his life's at. And I'm like, Oh, like, let me just do a call. And I'm like, dude, like, you're doing all these things and all you're doing is becoming unhappier. I'm like, your wife's unhappy. You're unhappy. You're making less money. I'm like, do you even work out anymore? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, do you like it? He's like, fuck no. <laughs> and I'm like, so you've literally like all these things you quote unquote wanted, you've put yourself in misery. I'm like, what if you reverse engineered that process? And a lot of times I even find with entrepreneurs, it's like there's, they've ostracized themselves from their households. And I'm like, what if you rebuilt connection inside your household? Mm. Well, then all of a sudden the work becomes more important. What if you actually enjoyed going to the gym again? Because like we said earlier, the gym is a very, it's a selfish pursuit. And usually it's in validation for acceptance or prominence. If it's, if, if it's pushed to extremes. Right. right. And so, and, and this is like, this is people in the extreme. Yeah, I'm yep, talking yep, more yep. like on the extremes, not just every single person, but the people that have issues with mm -hmm. it, yep. that's where it's gone. And that's where it stems from. And so when you start realizing, okay, you're seeking validation, you're seeking prominence, like you really don't even care about your workouts anymore. It's like, why are you going to the gym in the first place? Yep. Why are you only making it worse? Because listen, nobody's going to come out of the woodwork and like, she'd be like, Oh, well you fucking look amazing and good job to you for going to the gym for four times. Like yep. people, it's society. Like people well, just don't care that much. Ultimately you also can't get that validation from the outside. So if nope. you're unhappy with yourself, it doesn't matter how many people are going, Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Look at those abs. Like you get a little hit for a second, but then you go home and you're still yeah. lonely eating your uh, kale by yourself. It's, yep. it's like with an anorexic person, you could tell them so many times, Oh my gosh, you're thin. And they still think in their brain that they're fat mm -hmm. or some examples of those sorts. So how do you go, like, how do you take somebody in that extreme or in that mentality and kind of get them out of that? If they're looking for, if they're looking for external validation and they're going with the body route and you're like, let's focus on your business or let's focus on relationships. Because so I always ask one question that clears it up pretty quickly is, you know, if I could give you whatever results you're desiring in inside of any of these dimensions, frame, family and finance, if I could give you those results tomorrow, snap my fingers, like no work to put in, no nothing. How does your life change? Mm -hmm. And so inside the physical, it's like, Hey, I give you the six pack abs. You don't have to diet. You don't have to take fucking pills. You don't have to eat fish and asparagus. Like you don't have to do cardio. I'll just snap my fingers. I give it to you. What happens in your life? And that's when they like one of two things happens. They're like, well, fuck, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or two, it's like the vanity shit comes out. It's like, Oh, well, so-and-so looks at me and it's like, you don't want to admit that because that's just embarrassing, <laughs> right? So, but that's when you got to get real and yep. you got to say, okay, why am I chasing these things in the first place? Yeah. Because understanding the achievement of goals is not hard, Yeah. right? And like, you'll hear when I start talking tomorrow, I don't, first of all, I don't ever prepare speeches. Like, I, I think I told you that. Like when It's pretty out, chill, yeah. I don't ever prepare. So it'll be like, I'll just gauge the vibe of the room and I'll talk. But I will start by asking people like the problems in their business. Yeah. And then I will tell them that they're all wrong. And I will remind them that they are the problem. And Boom. it's always the truth, it right? It is always the like, truth. And I literally, at that very moment, I could walk away. Yep. And they'd be like, holy fuck, because it's the truth. You should. That would be epic. <laughs> right, I should walk out of the room. Like Joe, yeah, like, what back the in. fuck is this guy? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> I flew all the way out here just to say, it's your problem. Bye. But it's, it's always the truth because yeah. we're doing it, it the wrong is. reasons. We're going about it the wrong way. And... It's always a you problem. So let's talk about that. So like yeah. you and I, you know, we talk a lot about business stuff and like, I know that you're in a season of your business that it's just, you're crushing right now. Mm -hmm. Like you have a lot of new programs, a lot of new products you're rolling out. Like, and it seems from the outside anyway, it seems pretty, I don't want to say easy, but it's looking fairly effortless because you have built up, you know, uh -huh. you built up your tribe, you built up your trust. You've done all the things over the last however many years that you've been doing sure. this. Is it a mindset where you're just like, like, is there an intangible? So if you talk to these women in tomorrow and you're like, it's you, mm -hmm. what exactly about them? Why yeah, are they stuck so the, in their So the reason that we've been able to scale so quickly lately is I figured out last year that I matter. Like that literally biggest awakening of 2018 was I figured out I fucking matter. 
And I say that because we've been pretty successful for a little while. We got really successful last year. Mm -hmm. And going into last year, it was, I did everything for everyone else. I did things when my clients needed it. I did things when my employees needed it. I did things when my wife needed it. I did things when my friends needed it. I never, ever felt like I mattered or like I did anything for myself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck am I even doing this for? Like Jason fucking matters. And well, so and also, like you're on the hook for all these people's well-being too, hundred percent. which is we, you and I have talked about that. Like, that's a lot of fucking responsibility. It is. It is. I have 24 employees. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, a big company. Team. You have a huge headquarters, like, and right. not to mention all of your clients mm-hmm. that you're responsible for because mm-hmm. your coaches could just be like, you know what? I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, you they know, absolutely yeah. could. Yeah. And so, you know, when I started realizing that every, and so even from a strategy perspective, I'm like, how am I maximizing my time? So one of the things I just did, I, you know, me, like I spend 60 hours plus like on the phone every week. And that was not a good thing. I'm down to four hours a day. Awesome. I spend no more than 20 hours a week on the phone, which yeah. for anybody that knows me, they're like, holy fuck. Like he, he definitely changes life. I know. You're I that person like we'll be texting and you're like, I'm just going to call you real quick. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> I literally like? am like, I'm on the phone 24 yeah. seven. And what do you mean by on the phone? Like scrolling or calling? People? No, like, okay. yeah. Like if I showed you like my schedule yeah. for this week. It's, but it's phone calls. It's borderline ridiculous yeah. um, how many how many yeah. calls I get. So when I was at Jason's podcast, I was like, oh, I have like a tiny team and like I hardly ever work. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. And like, and it's I texted totally her afterwards. Well. I'm like, it's it's a different model. But so when you say that you realize that you matter, mm-hmm. you realize we're like, I need to take my time back and put me first. Is yeah, that what you Yeah, because mean? we were never going to hit the scale that yeah. we needed to hit if I didn't matter. I mean, what were you know, the first things that you started to do that were different when you were like, okay, I matter. So this means I need to change. So I would what? break it up into the three dimensions because no one thing was like its own thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I always go back to like three dimensions. And so physically like as an anorexic, the thought process and the reasons behind it, I don't really feel like they ever leave you. I could, I've disputed that with people all the time, but I've talked to enough people that were eating disorder that the triggers are there. Yeah. If you get triggered, it's going to keep triggering you. I think a lot of people are good at like leaving those triggers behind, but you know, my pursuit for validation and prominence was still present in the physical realm. And so I was beating the shit out of myself in CrossFit and I was waking up sore and like not sleeping and like definitely had symptoms of like HPA axis dysfunction. And yet I'm like, fuck that. I got to go there and I got to be at the top of the whiteboard and show everyone like my dick's bigger than everybody else. And mm-hmm. like, that was, that was my thought process. I'm like, I need that fucking validation. I need to go in the gym and have someone be like, God, you're, you're so strong and you're so good. Like what the fuck does that matter? But like at that point I needed that inside of my family, like all of my interpersonal connections were predicated on what can I do for you? I never, I'm the worst gift receiver in the history of this earth, but I would never even allow it to happen or put myself in a situation where it could happen. And I would overextend myself. I would overextend myself in terms of work commitments, Mm -hmm. client commitments, commitments to my team, and ultimately commitments to my family. And while it was all well-intentioned, it was actually hurting people. And so I had to be like, okay, when am I filling my cup? When am I taking my time? And then inside of the finance, we had to reverse engineer it. You know, there's difficult decisions that you make. Like when you scale three, four, five million dollars, you start to see like this transition from a small to a medium sized company. Mm-hmm. You start to realize you don't get to, to operate the way you did mm-hmm. when you were small. When you're a super tiny company, you get to please pretty much everyone because it just doesn't affect the bottom line as right. much. When you got 24 people running around, you're trying to personally please every single one of them. It's really affecting the bottom line of the mm-hmm. company. And so we had to take a step back and be like, okay, these people are our friends because we've worked together for a while, but they're also our employees. And we had to like get, we tried to get shit straight and have very difficult conversations, which I don't like to do. Yeah. Right. I'm a people pleaser to the max. I hate confrontation, hate collision. So when I started doing those things though, inside of all three, the world changed. I physically, did you feel like you were being selfish or what did anybody call you selfish while you did that? Fortunately, no. Because to be honest, the most of the people in my circle had seen that it was so long overdue. They were excited to see me do it. And that's just, I'm very blessed with a really good group of friends. You know, physically, I beat myself up a lot. That was the hardest part for me to accept. I was like, God, I don't go to CrossFit anymore. Like now I go to like the Globo gym and (laughs) 
I don't ever even do cardio and I eat fucking pizza three times a week. It's just all rules, right? It's all just going like, okay, what, like the old rules? I literally, yeah, like I just pissed on like everything that I had thought I should be doing like my whole life. And it was all predicated on bullshit. And, but it was a hard thing for me to accept. I mean, even like last week I worked out twice and I was like, God, like you lazy piece of shit, right? Like I look at <laughs> myself in the mirror and yesterday. I'm like, you are a think, fucking lazy piece of shit. I think it, men are more uh, just motivated by negative mm-hmm. motivation. Whereas, so I just went snowboarding. I was just snowboarding for the first time. I was up yeah. in uh, Colorado for a few days and I was there with the the guy that I'm seeing and he's he's been boarding for like 15 years. And right. so he was like helping me the whole time and like giving me lessons and he's a coach like by nature. So he's like, oh, you need to do this and you do this. And it was like too much feedback. So I just like almost started crying because I yeah. was like, I need to be told I'm like good at this. You know? So I was like, I need a little bit more positive affirmation. I think men are more motivated by that negative. Like I need to prove myself or not all men, but it's, it, yeah. It's Cause honestly, if, if somebody came to me and like, they try to tell me 10 million things to do, I might be in the same scenario as you. Yeah. Like, I don't think I would enjoy that. Right. But for whatever reason, we all do it to ourselves. Always. Like, oh, yeah. And, and so yeah, it's interesting. Cause I, for whatever reason, like we always negative reinforce ourselves. Like, could you imagine if like every day, Every time you said something negative about yourself, you instantly had to say something positive. Like people would struggle. Totally. It's crazy how hard it would be for people to do that. It's yeah. reprogramming. It's just like it really this, is. You have to really reprogram. It really is. And so like I've actually developed this like gamified system where like we say you earn points for doing certain things, right? And so there's certain things I go through every single morning. It's like my one hour in the morning to myself that sets me up for the day where I've gone through that reprogramming. I've actually looked at my day and I actually now, because of this, I understand where fitness and nutrition sit in. Mm-hmm. So there's some days where I'm literally like, yep, I'm eating pizza for dinner. Yep. But yet if I go back to my morning, I'm like, there's a purpose that I'm eating this food and selecting this choice. And like, it didn't just happen by chance. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. And then like the next morning, if I completely fucked it up, I'm like, great. Like it's, it's all good. It's like one data point. Yeah. And so I just, you know, the other piece of that is I really started trying to live in the truth, you know, like. I think that our living in our insecurities and trying to people please is just like living in a manifestation of bullshit. And when you identify the truth and you tell the truth nonstop and you, you start to earn a lot of power. And, and I think taking that power is really what has allowed me to excel in business. Like I don't have skeletons anymore. Like I had skeletons for a long time. And because why? Because you just reveal them, and you're just I like, just reveal them. Yeah, like you can't come in a room and tell me something that I won't fucking tell you. Like, right. And so I always reference the scene in Eight Mile, right? Like where at yeah. the end Eminem's like, "Yep, Love here, it. tell these motherfuckers something they don't know about me." Yep. And because he says it all himself. Yeah, and all, the guy yep. like shuts up because yep. there's nothing to say. People want like, unfortunately, yeah. in Western culture, people want to talk. Yep. And so they want to find the dirt on you. Yeah. You're like, if there's no dirt to find, cause I already exposed I already said it. it yeah. Like, yep. and so, I mean, I tell my story all the time. Like I was anorexic. I was insecure. Mm-hmm. I was broke. I, when you first talked about asshole. that, were you yeah, scared? Like how about the first time you started talking about it? Cause we have so many people who are like, I have a story to share, but I, I can't, or I'm scared. Like, how did you start? I don't, I don't know, to be honest. Like this is, I understand that. Yeah. And because I've worked with so many people that have said the same thing. And logically, I comprehend why that would happen. And this is where it's going to get really twisted. So try to stay with me. (laughs) I think that the reason I'm able to do it is because the first time I told the story, I knew before I told it the power in it. And I knew that it would bring me praise. So I was like, well, Mm this will be really easy. Mm -hmm. So I was really pandering to like my previous shit, even though... It was still like it still wasn't doing it the right way at that time. Sure. Now I've kind of like overcome that shit. I don't know that you can ever. So Dan and I've talked about this on the podcast. I don't know that you can ever truly get away from looking for affirmation or positive feedback in some way, shape, or form. So if it's not your body, oh, I agree. Then it's your business, right? Yeah. It's the same shit, different outfit, mm-hmm. or it's your relationship. Like we've talked a lot about when we, you know, split from our husbands. That like our valid, like we felt validated by yes. being, you know, married and like ha- like it just gave you a place in identity. I mean, you don't have it anymore. Am I just chopped liver? Like, how am I adding value or how am I feeling value? And so then you just transfer it to your business. Well, I got to make seven figures or I got to like reach this status. So I don't know that it ever completely goes away, but I think maybe. Well, exactly what you just said is that's the prototypical problem of most people is they take like if you start to lose validation in one area, you start to shift to find it in another area. Totally. Whereas if you'd been playing a balanced game from day one. Had you actually been not creating an identity predicated on any singular dimension, 
if you one of the dimensions got worse, you wouldn't need to find it somewhere else because the other two were already pretty fucking good, mm-hmm. right? And so, like you said, all of your validation came inside of family. Yep. Well, family is now gone, but while you were focused on family, guess what dissipated? Finance and frame. And so all of a sudden it's like, well, shit, I need to go and I need to build up my frame and my finance. And so you go hyper invest. Well, then family goes to shit initially, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And frame stays where it is. Mm -hmm. And so the real magic inside of this is I need to live a three-dimensional life from day Mm -hmm. one. I can't get caught up in being myopically invested into one area. Mm -hmm. And when you're not, like the whole game changes. And I feel like today I'm more balanced in all areas of my life than I've ever been. Like I communicate with my friends more frequently than I ever have. I communicate better with my staff than I ever have. I'm actually very comfortable with my body today more than I ever have been. And financially we're doing pretty well. So I'm very excited about it. We recently had a friend who is going through divorce, making tons and tons of money and kind of made the this statement to me, he was like, I was sitting in with this penthouse, looking the city and just looking at all of my stuff. And, and he's like, I'm not happy because if you go, whether it is like earlier talking about the body obsession, but then same thing with the business obsession, you make all this money. And then what for, mm-hmm. who are you going to share it with? Who are you? So the three dimensional life, it just, it fits it mm-hmm. like, and your example for losing family, you, yeah. you start to fall off the other ones. Yeah. And you know, it's, I, I mean, I think back to we could go like in a completely different direction and illustrate it on another point. You know, when in 2002, I lost both my, uh, my grandmother and my grandfather a week apart to the minute. Wow. And I was super close with them. Like it was hard on me, but like the last six months before my grandfather died, he was in a home and my mom would go there every single night. And I think back to that time in my life and our family was in turmoil. My dad was pissed off all the time. Home life was completely different. And obviously she was a completely different person. I can only imagine what her work life was like. You know, if I'm seeing that at home, I'm sure her work performance was struggling a little bit. But I I look back and her body deteriorated. And so here's this woman who's gone all in on the, you know, the dimension of family and her finances going to shit and her frame is going to shit. And it's, it's crazy where you start to, you just can't hyper invest in one area. Yeah not without at least acknowledging the other areas, right? I had a consult with one of my clients this morning and she really is like, you know, she got hit with a tax bill and she's got like some financial shit. She needs to make like five grand, like real quick. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, you need to understand that by hyper investing, there's consequences. So over the next two weeks, while you make five grand, you're going to be prepared to not work out. Mm -hmm. And your husband has to be prepared that he's losing his wife after 8 PM for two hours that he's used to. Go have those conversations on the front end because now this departure from normalcy across all three dimensions is like less impactful. Yet she was like, holy shit, I never thought of it like that. And I'm like, so your husband will be more understanding. You'll be more forgiving of looking in the mirror. And all of a sudden life is much easier to get back to normal after this. And like, it was so simple for her at that point. I but love nobody that. wants to look out of this one. No, I love that. It's something I never thought of, but I used to be in network marketing and I worked with a lot of women and they would have their, they're like, well, my husband's not supporting me. And I think that's the point because their husbands felt like they were losing the time that they used to get. Mm-hmm. And if they had the conversation of, listen, I'm doing this and I'm going to need these many hours, but instead they went all in on their business. Suddenly their family was left because they were excited. Now, why did they go all in on their business? Uh, you they know, wanted they usually wanted, from they, their significant they wanted other. prominence. They wanted money to help the family, mm-hmm. right. To go on more vacations. They wanted to like put in, sometimes the spouse would think, Oh, well, I'm not doing enough. So you have to do this job. And so that conversation is really important. I'm so Super glad you brought important. it up because you don't think of it about it. And I think often, even with Jill's clients as well, there are a lot of online business. They have to work in the gym and then they're doing side stuff. Sometimes the family falls apart. And I know she and I have had conversations with clients. They're like, their marriage is struggling. And yeah. maybe that needs to be a part probably of probably One of the number one issues I actually see in entrepreneurs. Yeah. I was shocked. Like as I've worked with more higher level entrepreneurs, one of the biggest issues I see is the destruction of marriages. Yeah. And I was blown away by it. And listen, full transparency, like my marriage over the last like six months, complete turmoil, like, and some of it, my own fault, some of it, not my fault, but I'm at least able to understand and accept the ownership of when I fuck up. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's mostly because I'm aware of this and, you know, part of the whole I matter thing, like I lost a relationship because I decided to hustle and she didn't support the hustle. The relationship I'm in now, you know, I made it very clear. This is what I'm doing. And I have very specific goals. I'm 34 years old. 
there's a lot I want to achieve by the age of 40. And I said I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was 30, and I fell a year short. And it really pisses me off every oh, single so day. Oh, so terrible. Like, we so. feel bad for you. Yeah, we feel so bad for <laughs> you. Everybody on the podcast feels really so. bad for you. <laughs> but it's like, but also at like 20, what was it? I mean, at you 29, might as well just quit now. At 29, I was overdrawn on my bank account. Yeah. Like I woke so up on a holiday and so, I was So yeah, fucked. if you missed it, actually, if you take the negative and add it, it probably was a million. so but like there's things i want to achieve inside of what we're doing and you know i've also i've shifted like if you were to ask about the goals like they're not necessarily finance related i do have financial goals but they're impact goals and so you know that was a big pivotal moment in my business too was understanding impact drives income um versus a lot of people chase the income and they're like oh well yeah that'll be impactful it's like, no, like chase the impact first. So this is what that brings up a question that I want to ask you because, you know, I, um, I love connecting with you and hearing about your business and how successful you've been because I know you don't have a huge social media following. No, I mean, it's like, I you know, it's decent. I think a lot of my girls would, you know, hope for, but you don't, you're not like, yeah, it'd be cool if you were Instagram, like, like, but you, I want to break down how you connect with your clients because mm-hmm. you obviously have super high trust with your clients. Mm-hmm. Don't have a lot of like flashy, like say like you're very under the radar, I feel right. like. But on the yeah. back end, like when you talk to you, you're like fucking crushing. So like how do you cultivate that like that vibe and do you ever get that like ego hit of like I need to have a hundred thousand followers or like I should be bigger, I should be speaking on bigger stages? Like what does that look like for you? So naturally I get the ego hit because I just think we're human and we all play the comparison game to an extent. So of course I, I look around and I see people and I'm like, Wow, like that's that's impressive. But But a lot I of also, them aren't making money. What's that? A lot of them are making money. Yeah, and I, it took me a long time to learn that because a lot of them have now been at my events and I help them make money. Right. But, and, you know, it's, again, I don't think social media, very few people set out in social media and they're like, I'm going to make money from this. It was right. a prominence thing, right? And so I think yep. that them, like us as a society have kind of skewed it to say, well, if they have attention, they must be making money. Right. They were chasing attention. Yep. They were never chasing finance. Yep. They actually need to understand how finance behind attention actually works. And that's a completely different game. Totally. You know, I suck on social media. Like it would be dope if you could <laughs> tell people that I was coming to your event tomorrow and they actually knew who I was, but they'd be like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> Why are like Jill? What happened? We paid you all this money. I to, never to tell. Go to this I don't event. tell. The, I don't uh, tell any of my guest speakers uh, beforehand. Okay. I'll show up and I always humble myself right away. And I'm like, how many of you know who I am? And the whole crowd is like silent. Nobody <laughs> raised their hand. I was on your podcast. So, I um, you. Nobody knows who I am. So, but no, it's uh, I just you know social media has never been my thing because I feel like it's just you got to talk a lot about yourself and I don't really find myself that interesting. To be fair, I think that I am. I love conversation. I could literally sit in a room and talk with people all day. I think it's part of the reason that I got into the model of coaching that I did yep. is because I genuinely enjoy the connection. I like getting to know people. And I said one time to my first coach I hired, I said, I, I look at my clients more as friends than I do as clients. Yep. You know, like when I really like when I decided to go all in on building this business five years ago, I looked at it like what's missing in the space. Yeah. Because one of the things I teach is creating an opportunity switch. And so, you know, everyone's doing macros, everyone's doing online coaching, everyone's doing weekly email check-ins, pictures. And I'm like, you know what? Like, that's cool. But nobody really is giving the level of support that a client needs. And, and so bodybuilders, that works great. They're like the 1%, they're elite, they're committed. You don't have to like force their hand to get them to eat their fish and asparagus. Yeah. Right. But like Mrs. Jones that's 60 and overweight, like she doesn't give a fuck. She likes her cookies Mm -hmm, and she needs to be talked off the ledge when she has a cookie or if she's thinking about eating a cookie. And so I, all of a sudden I was like, why don't you text me? Like if you get a craving and I started seeing more and more success. And I was like, I realized after time I built what I called the connection based model. Like it was not just macros. It was really like your success was predicated on our connection. That's why you're crushing right now though, by the way. And I want to talk about this because I think we're seeing a lot of people in the industry who were doing things in the old model of like very little access to yeah. me, like gatekeepers, yeah. you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we're at, uh, we were at trafficking version last year. No. Okay. And so basically the whole conference was on conversation marketing. Yeah. And it's like where you're in your DMs constantly. Yeah. You're like, you know, texting people constantly. Yeah. Are you extroverted? No. Oh, really? No. Although... Maybe I am more today than I was growing up. It, growing up was super introverted. Like I got embarrassed all the time. But I think it was the whole like insecurity thing. I'm not nearly as. But you're insecure. charged up. Like you're on the phone four or six hours. Oh a day. yeah, like, dude. Like you'll never. Up. Like I'm like dead. Like full transparency. I walked in here today, dead dog tired. Got like was up at four. I literally packed my whole house the last six days. Like it's been a long day and like week. And I'm but like you put headphones on me and like we get to talk. Like 
I don't fucking need any caffeine. I don't need anything. I'm high. I'm ready to go. Like, let's, like, we could talk all night yeah. and I'd be good. So break down your model. Sorry to cut you off, but break down your, your model. Yeah. So, well, like we call it the connection-based model. And I recognize it was on like frequency of contact. Like that's it. And, and access level. And some of that was also predicated on me coming up in the space. I felt like I hired every coach under the sun. Number one, because I wanted to learn their methods. Number two, because I wanted to see what works. And I never realized I was actually shopping people to learn what I didn't like, but I was always just kind of searching to see like what was out there. It was yeah. just fun, right? So like I worked with everyone, man, from like Hani Rambod to Scott Abel to Mike Davies to mm-hmm. I worked with Lane before he was Lane. Mm-hmm. Like it was uh, I worked with everybody back in the day. And the one thing Mike I Davies never ever got TBT. Was that what? Mike Davies? Oh yep. boy, let's not talk about him. Kimoto. Uh, yeah, let's Kimoto, not talk about him either. Lane. Yeah, mom says if you don't have anything nice to say, shouldn't say anything. But you know, back in the day, it was nobody was text message access. No, nobody was phone no. call. I mean, but what did we text back then? I can't remember. Well, we that. probably did, but you know what? You know what we? Yeah. You know what we? Like what we was missed was level of access. Sure, absolutely. So you'd send the email and you'd yeah. wait twenty four to forty eight hours. Yeah, you wait. Fuck that. Because you were like, like, ooh, I can't be too available because then they won't see me as an expert or they won't see me up here. And see, here. that never crossed my mind. Yeah. It never once crossed mm-hmm. my mind that if somebody texted me and I texted right back that they wouldn't see me as an expert. Right. But do you ever feel like – I actually well, I thought guess... if I don't text right back, they'll think I'm an asshole. Like that was what went yeah, through my head. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking about like boundaries, right? Yeah. So right. how often – Well, that was an issue for avail- me. Okay. Yeah, that was, was an issue say, for me. This... I worked – I worked uh, 4 a.m. until midnight. Because I used to allow my clients to text me, and then I stopped because I had one particular one that was so annoying. I was like, nobody gets my phone number anymore. Yeah, you know what? Like, I don't, I'll never let one bad, like, Apple ruin everything. Oh, I do. Um, and you just give it our boundaries, right? Like, I mean, yeah, and, and honestly, or... like, you, I let you the have bad to understand you're always in control. Sure. So you control if you text back. Yeah. You yep. control if you push the block button, yep. right? You control if you remove that access. And so I just, like, it, I don't know. I looked at, I never thought about how people perceive me. Uh, I always thought about how can I make it better for this mm-hmm, person? Mm-hmm. And I knew that like when I was coming up, I wanted it to be better. I yeah. remember, I mean, I remember working with one coach, I won't say who, but he was wanting me to get on the cover of muscle and fitness and muscle and fitness calls on like a Wednesday. And they're like, Hey, can we shoot Saturday? And I was super excited. And I sent this email and I'm like, dude, like we got the cover. Like, what do I need to do to peak? And all of a sudden he doesn't respond until Friday night. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, well, I just had to figure it out now yeah. because you wasted the 48 hour, like yeah. most important hours. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, God, like today inside yeah. of the model that we have built, if somebody had texted me, I would have texted them right back and been like, awesome. Right. Like I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just trying to be a better human. I, I really don't know. I think it's a 1% know. interaction though. I mean, yeah. I think so few people are willing to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm willing to do that. Be honest. Yeah. Like I will for my high ticket. Master yeah, yeah. Exactly. Day, like, well, and here's the thing. There's an evolution, right? right. I think that today not to, I, I don't do that for a $200 a month coaching client. Exactly. Like, but when you're starting a business, you better fucking out hustle everybody. Yeah. I was going to say the like, beginning yeah. phases of business is like, I drew out this graph at our event in December. The beginning phases of business is hustle and grind and yep. you better be ready to outwork no balance. people. I mean, yeah. it's like probably no, you don't be. get to have balance, but once you get through that piece, then you scale and you build structure and you reclaim, like you reclaim your balance. But so I was in that phase at that point. And then slowly, like today, I, I don't work with any nutrition clients um, unless you're like a UFC fighter and doing like a weight cut or something where, you know, your the fee becomes a little bit more worth my time. Yeah. And I don't say like, God, that sounds like such a douchey statement. Um, no, it doesn't. Because I was thinking because that particular client that ruined it for everybody, it, these guys were $200 a month. And I'm right. like, it's not, I can't just constantly babysit you for 200 a month, but my mastermind clients now have my number, but when they're paying more, they, they know my time yeah. is valuable. And so and I, ironically, they only, when they pay more, they don't text you. Yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I don't have a single person who yeah. does that. I mean, they, if they do, it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. This is really to quick. Bother they, you. And I'm like, if anyone can bother me, yeah, exactly. yeah, like you're paying me $50,000 so a year. I so. think it's a good point to make for somebody who's going, Oh my gosh, I'm getting $95 a month. I can't give everybody my phone number. Cause honestly you can't, that does wear you out and burn you out. It makes well, you and I mean, I did it on day one. Cause I'm like, Hey, I got to succeed. I was yeah, overdrawn on my bank account. Totally. I was trying to create success and I'm like, what am, what am I going to do? That's different. How do sure. I separate myself in the market? Totally. And I remember, and you know, that goes to a good point. Cause I was working with this coaching client a couple of years back and he was a brand new personal trainer. He's trying to build online coaching. And I remember he was like, okay, cool. So I want to announce that I'm a coach, but I have to make sure that like I get my morning walk in and I have to like, I do a meditation in the morning. And like, I was like, dude, you don't have a fucking no. client yet. Yeah. You don't have a client. And I remember Jill fit. We 
we were so cheap. Like yeah. we had, we would do 12 week meal plans for like $125. Yeah. We got a hundred clients and yeah. th- that kind of clinical experience was invaluable. Mm-hmm. And we, well, also out that level of referrals and that level, mm-hmm. I mean, like you and don't think about and We were just like, and, and you know, and I'll never do that again, but it was like, it was valuable because we completely overwhelmed ourselves to the point that we had the luxury to scale back and we were in high demand. I remember I was at a mastermind where someone asked me for some advice and I was like, you know, I would just go, if you don't have any clients, go to social media and tell three people you'll work with them for free. For free. Yeah. And the person running the mastermind was like, fuck that. And like, like got so mad at me. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm you like, I literally, this is how I started my business. I'm like, and I'm, I got a million dollar business sitting in your fucking mastermind. Yep. And he was like, well, I would never, I would never devalue. And I'm like, yeah, because you run a mastermind. Right. Like we're all paying you $30,000 a year to be here. Right. You've proven that you're successful. These people have not proven anything. Right. And you don't like, just because you be. think you're good, you the market like dictates charge. if you're good. Yes. The yes. market dictates everything. The market dictates your value. Yep. It dictates whether or not you're good at what you do. Yep. It dictates your referrals. And so if you're not putting love into the market, you lose. Period. Yep. As good as you think you are, right. yep. as well as you do anything, you suck shit if the market says you suck shit. Yep. Yep. And over time, you're able to have the luxury to be more discerning about who you take on and how much they pay Even you. Even today, though, like, I forget, like, where I'm going after this. I'm going back to my hotel, and there's a kid who has, I don't know, two downloads on his podcast, but he came to one of my certifications. He's like, I'm starting my podcast. It'd be an honor to have you on. It is going to do jack shit for me. Right, I'm right. like, bro, if you can get to my hotel room, because I just, I have a lot of work to do tonight. I will podcast with you in my hotel room. He's like, well, of course I'll be there. Okay, right, great. Right, good. I don't look at metrics. I don't look at like, cause the one metric is, am I giving? Yep. That's my metric in this world. And people are like, you're crazy. And I'm like, cool. I'm glad that you think I'm crazy because our world is a world of taking. Yeah. So if you think I'm nuts, it means I have completely gone against the grain of the world and I'm winning period. Like that's all I fucking care about. And I've done it to a fault. Like I talked about earlier. I've kind of started to find that balance. I'm still not there. I'm still in pursuit. I'm still trying to become better. Um, but I'm closer and uh, you know, value myself every day a little more, a little more. And it's, uh, it's allowing me to scale. So I find it really fascinating. Uh, our friend Chris Harder has a podcast called For the Love of Money. And mm-hmm. he said he read 30 books in 30 days. And the big uh, common thread was generosity. And I find that people who have massive success tend to be the most generous and the most giving. And that doesn't always have to do with money. It's time. It's your energy. Jill and I were talking this morning about our event and people who show up for us or give back. And it's like, those are the kind of people that more opportunities come from. I feel like the more you give, sometimes it's it's a struggle at the beginning when you feel like you've been giving, 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 and then nothing showing up. Did you ever feel that you've been giving so much and like, there's just not a return? I never felt like that to be honest, mm-hmm. but it's funny. You mentioned Chris and his 30 books in 30 days, because I don't think I've read a book in 34 years. <laughs> um, and I'm not a good reader, but I can, I'm really good at listening to audiobooks. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, there was a book and I saw it on the today show one morning and it's called give and take. And they explained all the premise and Adam I bought, Grant. what's that? You Adam read it? Grant? Yeah. Yeah. I have it. Well, it's like in my closet somewhere, yeah. <laughs> um, but I know the premise. So clearly that was useful purchase. So there's givers and there's takers in this yeah. world, right? The very bottom percentage of our world are givers. The middle and upper middle and high class are takers. Mm. The extremely high class are givers. givers. Interesting. So you got to choose to be a giver, but you got to play the giving game correctly. Yeah. Right. You can't just like, and this is where my transition of owning myself Mm -hmm. and saying that I matter was so important because I was trending towards going back to like the lower piece until I understood I mattered. Now I can give at an extremely high level. So it has to be a structured level of giving, but yeah, I I think there's definitely a component. I mean, and it, again, not to like pimp out the 3d thing, it works everywhere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Like if you give your body the rest it needs and you actually fuel yourself with what it needs, you're going to get results. Yep. If you give your family what they need, not always monetarily or physically, you sure. know, physically, but Energy, time, time, you get what you want financially you do the right things. But like, if you want to fucking hook up with a chick at a bar, like you don't fucking go up and be like, Hey, can we fuck? <laughs> like you go up and it's like, can I buy you a drink? Sure. Like you give you first, give like first. you slide in someone's DMS. It's not like, here's a dick pic. 
It's like <laughs> you'd be surprised at how many think. Oh, I'm work. sure, but that doesn't get them laid. Right. Like I don't care how big their no. dick is. Right. No. Like or how good it looks. <laughs> that's not getting them laid. Right. If they would have slid in the DM and had some value to give, sure. and like actually created some sort of connection, yeah. And then you're like, wow, it is really big. So true. It does look really good. <laughs> like man, maybe he's getting laid. But like that's where done Danny before. <laughs> so it's you know. That's the thing. People got to learn. You got to give first. You always when have to give. thought they were like, I'm ask. giving her a really nice picture. <laughs> Maybe that was their <laughs> thought. Then they, got a jiver, then they just got to fix the actual I'm application. I'm giving her a great picture of yeah. me and this amazing thing. Yeah. Oh, then it's just an application God. issue. And that's, that's easily fixed. Oh, my gosh. I just love that you brought that up because we have so many women listeners. And there's so much of that mom guilt and, and feeling like they have to give and give. And in, in our world, kind of, it's like the term self-care and mm-hmm. it's ultimately what you're really saying, except in not such a cheesy term. And I like that it's coming from a man, it's coming from you and saying that you matter. I actually like that even better than saying self-care. Yep. I just like saying I matter. I freaking matter. And in order for me to do my best work, in order for me to serve the best, I have to take care of me first. And it's so important. It's yeah. I mean, really at its core, it's, it's reverse engineering the giving process mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you really are a giver, the way you say you're a giver you're going to want to give maximally. You're not going to want to give half-assed. Yep. And you don't give maximally unless you are maximized. And so the mm. first step in giving is creating the best version of yourself. And when you do that, all of a sudden, your ability to give at the highest level, it's there. Boom. Love it. Mic drop. Mic drop. I, we have to do no, I think we have to do another one. Actually. Uh, we definitely do. We definitely do because I want to ask you more about the business stuff. But yeah. we're going to do it tomorrow at the Mastermind. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I love this. this we have awesome. one last question for you, though. Sure. Yeah. So this is the Best Life Podcast. Okay. And we would like to know, what does like living your best life look like to you? Jason um, Phillips. I don't know if anyone's ever said this, but giving zero fucks. I like it. Like... In what, I, like, okay, nuance though. Not like giving zero fucks in every, like in every realm. The problem is we care so much what other people think. We're so paralyzed by expectations of the world, what our parents think. Like I made my first million dollars. My mother came to me and she said, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> and I said, mom, Sounds what the, like I said, mom, what the do. fuck do you mean? And she said, well, you know, like one with benefits. Right. And like, I said, mom, how many companies <laughs> do you know in the world that pay a hundred percent of their employees benefits? And she said, not many. And I said, I do that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm That's good. Hilarious. I got I'm you use that line. My mom right. would do the same thing. Like, yeah. okay, but now, you know, what yeah. are you can doing? you go to an they office? Ask, can you get in a cubicle? Can, you can keep this up uh, <laughs> fucking forever. Cause, cause we will. There's always somewhere so, to go. Yeah. yeah. So I just think that like the number of fucks we give is always too high. And the reason I can say it so confidently and say like, this is the reason, this is how you live your best life is because I was the epitome of being paralyzed. What other people think, mm-hmm. like how I looked, how I talked, how I dressed, how I like the cars I drove, the house I lived in, it was literally for other people. And when I have literally just shut down and given zero fucks, life is so much better. And ironically, people want to spend more time with you Yeah, because you're that person that's like unreachable and people always want what they can't have. So good. Love it. Give no fucks. Where can our people find you? Connect with you. Obviously, well, they clearly like nowhere because I suck so at social media. So. <laughs> okay. Well, your um, podcast. We have the no. best list. Where, um, where do you want them to find you? Maybe no, you don't they, want them um, to find you. I mean, <laughs> our coaching services are in3nutrition.com. Our certification is ncicertifications.com. And then on social media, I am somewhat findable. Uh, Jason <laughs> Phillips on Facebook and on Instagram, Jason Phillips underscore IN3. And I always say like, you know, reach out to me. I'll, I will respond because I'm all about that connection. So if uh, if there's questions or if you just want to tell me that I'm an asshole, like that's cool too. So send me a DM. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll at least reply to you. Yeah, that's our audience. So. They usually DM all of our guests and tell them they're assholes. So cool. well, middle finger emojis coming back at you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for yeah, joining us. Dude, of course. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Great. We'll definitely do a part two at some point. But uh, yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah.